Welcome to another VO radio show. This one is not your bite-sized version. This is more of a, a sit-down with the family. Oh, bit of a roast uh, Speaking. Yes, that's right. Speaking <laughs> of family, there's Robbo. How He's already you? tucking in. That's right. He's gone exactly. through the entree already. <laughs> that's right. More prawn cocktail waiter. <laughs> yeah, jelly and ice cream for you, my son. Ah, <laughs> oh, uh, yes. How now, talking about jelly or uh, maple syrup, if mm. we're on the food groups, uh, mm. that's where we're heading, up to uh, Canada. Yeah. Uh, because uh, I caught up with uh, Matt Cowrick, who's uh, an ex-Brizzy talent, mm. um, who has found himself living in Canada. He's been there quite a few years now. Right. And he's established himself as um, a pretty proficient voiceover guy, and he's doing well. And the oh. interesting thing is most of the stuff he does is with an American accent. Okay. Wow. Very talented then. The real trick with doing American accents for Americans is they, a bit like Aussies, they jump on the first sign that it's actually not an American doing that voice. You've got to be pretty close to spot on, don't you? Oh, you do, indeed. Um, but the one difference is that Americans don't actually watch very much Australian television. <laughs> but we, because we live here, we have no choice. It's just, uh, we're just tsunamied with the stuff. So. Oh, yeah, no, I was saying sort of people doing Australian accents, uh, Americans trying to do Australian accents, like Meryl Streep, great acting in, in oh, yeah. that movie, but she never convinced me that she had an Australian accent. I'm sorry, but... Um, no. Yeah. No, there's... there's I don't know who's that. Well, the only one was, I can't even think of the actor's name, that English actor who uh, was in the movie Lion. He was fantastic. You would he never pick that he wasn't good. Aussie. He was yeah. very good, yeah. And the other one that always made me laugh was the guy that did the uh, the mayor in the Australian episode of The Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, don't remember that. wasn't even close. It was like more like Scottish, I think, more than anything yeah, else. Yeah. So well, they always go. cracked me up when Dick Van Dyke was playing, you know, in uh, Mary Poppins, The Chimney Sweep. Mm. Uh, trying to be a Cockney sounded more like a really weird Australian. Yeah, just right. Never got anywhere near it. it was, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, see, yeah. that's the nice thing about being Aussie. We don't have an accent. No way, mate. No. <laughs> no. I think we do. I think we do. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we do. Exactly. Yeah, bloody, o- bloody oath, mate. Yes. Anyway, talk about accents. Let's check out some of Matt's work with an American accent. Sometimes you can't sit by and watch and wait. People need someone to step up and make a difference. Be the change agent the world needs. Because extreme difficulty is never a reason to not try. And hard is the exact reason they need you. They need us. Amgen. Scrubbing bubbles? The girls' field hockey practice was a mud fest. Let's bubble! Mega shower foamer stays where you spray with ultra-clean technology. We work hard so you don't have to. Hippies. Drifters. Dreamers. Eager to start again. People with places to go. Or no destination at all. All setting out on the American Road. Catch the American Road exhibit this summer. Only at the Harley-Davidson Museum. Are you underwater on your mortgage? Keep Your Home California may be able to help. Help you to keep your home. Keep your stability. And keep your joy. Our principal reduction program can help homeowners who have experienced an economic hardship or severe decline in their home's value. Visit keepyourhomecalifornia.org or call 888-954-KEEP. Where did you train? Did you train as an actor? No, no. I, actually, originally I did a music degree um, at, the, at the conservatorium in, in Brisbane. Then I, I kind of pivoted into, into voiceovers, but I did some training uh, heading over to L.A. early on, like as I was wanting to get into voiceover. Uh, I took some trips over and trained with some of the coaches there. 
I did a couple of the classes in Brisbane. I'm, I'm sure you've seen a lot of the um, the radio school yep. courses yep. pop They're up everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so I wouldn't I wouldn't say that was like my most formative training, but. Um, yeah, definitely having the chance to come over to LA a couple of times and, and uh, yeah. also train with some coaches remotely there really helped. It's interesting here because there isn't really that many coaches doing voiceover. No. I know that Abby Holmes has uh, started uh-huh. one here in Melbourne. I'm not really sure of anybody else particularly. I know there's voiceover courses. There used to be one uh, here in Melbourne as well at Brave Studios and they do a, the, they're basically an acting school. But uh, It is an industry of itself. It is. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, I think we're ready to uh, open up coaches for voiceover coaches. Uh, <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Uh, the yeah. layer upon layer. The Sarah Lee voiceover coaching course. La- <laughs> yeah. Layer upon layer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was that an Aussie open. joke, by the way. Aussie joke. Um, <laughs> so, how do you, how did you find it when you first moved over there? I, I gather you <laughs> went straight to Canada. Is that correct? Yeah. Well, I. Um, You're going to say you met someone. You met someone, right? Yeah, yes. yeah that yeah. old pickle. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, well, I, I mean, I had lived in London for a year um, to, you know, just uh, briefly touch on, on the travel adventure. Um, I lived in London for a year and then I – and I was doing a little bit of, of VO over there. And then I, I came back to Australia, stayed for probably about another year. And, yes, then I was, I was dating a Canadian gal in Brisbane and I was I was sort of just ready for the next travel adventure. And this friend, she had to move back to Canada because her visa ran out and uh, it just happened to be Victoria on Vancouver Island. Uh-huh. And I thought, yeah, what the hell? I'm, I'm up for that. And was just going to go over for about six months or a year just to, to try things out and see how the relationship went. And then I ended up staying regardless. Ah, how did the relationship go out of interest? It, well, it didn't. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, you know, as as uh, as it sometimes goes. But I and I knew that a few months in that um, even if it even if it didn't last, then I would stay because uh, I kind of fell in love with the island and uh, just the the way of life here. And then eventually, I I met my my wife, who's also Canadian, and uh, and now I'm pretty damn permanent. Really. It looks like it. Yeah. 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 What do you find different? I mean, Brisbane obviously is quite different to, say, Melbourne. Um, yeah. And I kind of see Melbourne in that similar kind of thing to where you are, like Vancouver mm. or, you know, a small version of New York, I suppose. Um, do you see that? Do you do you feel kind of there's an attachment being an Aussie living in somewhere that could actually be Australia? Yes. I think that I get to have that taste of, um, of Melbourne weather um, and... <laughs> Uh, you know, just having having an, a big variation um, in in the seasons, whereas in Brisbane it's kind of just wet and dry. Um, that that was, I think, that was pretty appealing at first, and and I don't mind um, you know all the snow sports, so that's that's pretty handy to then just be able to drive two and a half hours one day and, and you're on ski slopes. So that that was a lot of fun to me, but. Um, as far as the climate, um, we certainly here on, on the island don't get that, that typical Canada <laughs> tundra, yeah. frozen winterland. Uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty mild, really. Um, I, I'd say sometimes it's, it's um, you know, for a lot of the year, it's probably comparable to Melbourne um, with the, the temperatures that we get. So, I, yeah, yeah I, I think I got off pretty easy there. 
you're like a mate who's uh, a newfie, and uh, we oh, yeah. have to keep him away from seals and anything with blubber because you'll probably eat it. <laughs> He's got to stock up for the winter. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, fill the fat stores. Exactly. So when did you yeah. first get into voiceovers? Uh, it was when I was uh, in my music degree, so that would have been uh, around 2006. Um, yep. And then when I finished that, I I started doing voiceover in Brisbane. So I was I was doing some radio and and some TV just around the the usual hotspots there, and and I was kind of doing some some hustling on the web. My home studio then was was not great, but uh, it, it apparently cut it. So I started finding some work that way, um, and yeah, that would have been around two thousand and seven that I started started getting some some gigs and um but it was it was really when I moved to Canada weirdly that uh things started to to pick up for me. I think I just had a couple of business lights click on and figured out a, a few things that I didn't know before. It's it's interesting being for for me being down here and now travelling quite a bit backwards and forwards to the US. Uh the first time I, I went across to, to New York to meet with Jim Kennelly it kind of the same thing. It was kind of a light bulb thing. You kind of go, these guys are, are salespeople that also can do voiceovers. That's what right. I've got to be. That's I've got to do that. And when I moved over here, I was um, fortunate enough to be able to tap into uh, one of the conferences that happens over here. Um, I don't know if you've heard of FAFCON. Yeah, yeah. FAFCON for me was was actually a really enlightening experience, and and. Uh, I learned there that I just needed to um, change up how I approached things as far as, you know, business acumen and, and um, uh, seeing myself more as a, as a small business rather than like a solo performer. Yeah. Um, that, that, was, that was for me and I think it complemented the artsy side of my brain um, because I, I'd come from classical music and, you know, it's, it's all about the art, man. Yeah. Uh, it's all about the music. Yeah. And so to have a little more um, hard and fast business training drilled into me or, you know, business um, method was was really beneficial. So what did you uh, play in your musical, when you got your musical degree? I was a flute player. Ah. Well, yeah. See, my yeah. wife yeah. plays oboe. Oh, really? Yeah. I, uh, yeah, we, we got to do a lot of wonderful wind music there at, uh, at the con. Uh, you know, all the wind players yeah. tend to stick together. Yeah, that's cool. Does she play now? No, I think uh, she'd probably blow her face off if she tried to blow her, <laughs> blow the oboe now. <laughs> they're a lot uh, of work. <clears throat> they, they're good if you've got a young set of lungs, but, um, yeah. you know, I think you, you'd be wearing your sinuses on the outside if she probably tried it now. <laughs> <laughs> her and me both. Yeah, yes, I, exactly. I, I, yeah, I got, I, anytime I pick it up, I've got to blow the cobwebs off. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's a little sad, but I'll, I'll get back to it. Yeah, one day, one day, one day. Yeah. So... I remember talking to uh, Nick Tate about this, and he was doing, because when he was obviously very successful doing movie trailers, he mm-hmm. did a session with um, a producer who came in from Atlanta or somewhere. And, of course, he rocked up and he was talking like an Aussie, and she's booked this guy called Nick Tate who sounds like this. And mm-hmm. she's saying, it's the wrong Nick. That's not the Nick Tate I booked. He's saying, yeah, it, it is me. It's, it's me. <laughs> and so, of course, when he went in the booth, she just picked every single slight mistake with his accent mm. until in the end he just said, look, I don't think I'm the right guy for you. You need to find someone else and left. Have you ever had that happen to you where you've turned up for a session and <laughs> they're in absolute shock that you are not an American or Canadian? Sure, yeah, because uh, 
as you know, is the the dealio these days. We send in a lot of auditions, or you know, you do a read from your studio. And as I started doing more and more American accent work, um, which was kind of like a couple of years after I moved here, uh, yeah, I was just submitting for these for these auditions, and then I, I would get the booking. But of course. On the audition, it was there wasn't a trace of anything Australian, and then I show up in the session or you know connect on ISDN or Source Connect, and I'm like, "Oh, g'day, how's everyone going?" You know, <laughs> like, who, who, who is this? <laughs> yeah, you are not uh, the person we booked. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's interesting that you bring that up because for the longest part, I just I didn't worry about it, and I think a lot of agents they didn't they didn't worry about it, and maybe there was a bit of fun in it of um, you know having someone be Australian and then and then switch over to uh, to the US read and, and suddenly you're American, right? And uh, you know that can kind of be fun. But um, as of late, I've actually transitioned into um, being not uh, natural Matt uh, from from the start. I, I had one agent request that for a campaign that I started on. And uh, he said, I think, yeah, don't, like what you said with Nick, when they know that you are from from a different country, it just gives them more reasons to say no or, or, you know, they're 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 listening for other things in the read that they shouldn't be. They should be listening for um, the the usual performance stuff, not not accent. Um, So he said, yeah, don't uh, don't make it easier for them to say, okay, we have a problem with this. Let's, you know, just be... Be American for the session, which is kind of weird. That must feel a bit oh, awkward. So you're actually going, is. yeah, you're going in playing a character right from the get go. That's exactly it. Because when I do my um, my North American read, it's um, you know multiple the multiple characters that I have that uh, you know have different different timbres and styles. But uh, yeah, each of them is is really um, more of an individual character than what I would do playing different timbres and styles uh, with an Australian accent. Um, so, yeah, it really does feel like more of a character. And then I'm doing chit-chat and banter as this character, and, and it just it, it is kind of off-putting. But, uh, you know, I'm finding my feet with it. And, uh, and, and usually if I've been working with, um, with an account or a client for a while, uh, I'll just uh, I'll let him in on the secret. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, what, really? really? Oh, wow. We didn't even know. Yeah. But it's it's okay if you're sort of working down the line because you can be bright red in the face and, you know, pretend you're somebody else. But if you're actually in a studio, in a booth with the client sitting in front of you and you're having to play this role, oh, that's, that would, that's yeah. awkward. That would be awful. I can't imagine that. Yeah. No. Yeah, I'm, no. I'm fortunate that most of the work that I do um, is, is from my home studio. With Vancouver, it's usually only the animation work that they, they really want you to go over and, and be in studio for. Um, yeah, even a lot of the commercial work that I do that is is booked through uh, sources in Vancouver, I can do from from here. Yeah, which is handy. It's funny though because uh, the other thing that happened with me, and I'm kind of guessing, is I can sort of hear a bit with you. I can hear like words like "and" have got American uh-huh. sort of lilt. Um, oh yeah. When I first came to Australia, I was 16, and my accent was from North London, mate. I talked like that. You know what I mean? Oh really? So, and uh, and then I decided I, I you know I'd always wanted to be in radio. That was my yeah. my thing as a kid. I'd sit there you know pretending I was a DJ and stuff. So, I got to Australia and thought, okay, that's what I want to do. And it was like within four years, I'd had a couple of goes at it, and then it got to a point where it's like I'm either going to do this or it's not going to happen. 
Uh, so I went to a radio station, as we mentioned, radio school, met a guy there and said, you know, this is what I want to do with this accent. And for some peculiar reason, he kind of, it was like Pygmalion for him, I think. He must have just thought, you know what, I need a challenge and I reckon this is going to be one because I've got to get that guy's accent out, gone. Uh, and, and he did. Within three months, I was talking like an Aussie, but I had a real Aussie accent, you know. So when I got my first job in radio, it was like I was a rock jock. Uh, and right. I played that character for years, much like you have to do. And it got to a yeah. point one day and I thought, you know what, this is ridiculous. Every day I come in here and I have to act this role out of this Australian guy on the radio. And I'm not going to do it anymore. So I just stopped. And the strangest thing is, I ended up with this accent. And I don't know where the hell this came from, but it certainly isn't the one I started with. And it wasn't the one I was playing. It's something that just happened. So I'm, my question is, and it's a very long, convoluted question, is how has your accent changed and how do you manage it if you want to be a, an Aussie for a read, you know, being your, your natural self? Uh, I've, I've always, for, for a long time, I've described myself as having quite the mongrel accent. Um, you know, it's a real, real, yeah. real hodgepodge having lived in London. And then even when I was back in Australia, I was still doing you know, characters and, and playing around with accents. And I was chatting with a lot of, a lot of people in North America. Um, so it, it, I, I think it's always had that not quite Aussie feel to it, or, you know, there are, there are different, uh, sounds throughout Australia, but, but, um, I, I, yeah, I lost that real ridgy didge, um, one that I had and, you know, I was growing up in the country and my, my family are all from Rockhampton. So yeah, yeah. That, that's the flavor that, that came there. But, um, yeah, I, I find that a lot of what I'm hired for on the Aussie side of things is actually a little more global. Like they, you know, they're okay with, with having, um, that, that, that influence of, of other accents, uh, that's that's usually what I skew towards, and then when I when I do get hired to be an Australian, um, you know, the typical Australian bloke, that then I think becomes more of a character. Or I'm I'm just I'm tuning things a little to to go towards that. Yeah, you get pigeonholed, but then someone will actually break that and you know say why don't you why don't you do this? You know, can you do this for us? That's it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, no, I, I think it's really interesting how we. F- I think we find ourselves with that in in voiceover more than a lot of the other performance professions. Like you know, completely going from your mould. And um, uh, you know, we, you were talking before about not not actually being in the booth um, or like being remote uh, and not having that physicality to influence someone's perception of you. And I think you know that counts for a lot in, in voiceover. You can you can kind of be more, whereas with stage or film acting, uh, the way that you look can, can tend to limit what, uh, what range you can play. And also so when I'm, you turn up, turn up to a studio, you know, I mean, if you turn up looking like a certain person, that's it, you're pigeonholed. But you could yeah. have the be- most beautiful voice in the world, you know. Yeah, that's right. And, and I think that's what I, I like about the, the current uh, MP3 audition culture because... Uh, in, in contacting agents and production houses, uh, might go in with some specificity, like, "Oh, this is my my niche." Once they start sending out auditions, um, you can stretch yourself and and play, uh, yeah, a really different sound. And um, that that was, I think, one of the 
one of the things that started me playing different ranges and 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 really the the American accent. I was on board with uh, an, my agent in Vancouver. And all I had done with with him was recording, um, I was playing a character on a cartoon show called Pirate Express, and my character was Bert, who's just like this Australian version of Pinky from Pinky and the Brain. Uh, And he was kind (laughs) of like, you know, oh, hey, guys, let's go, oh, I'm getting blown up, and he'd go flying into the air, and he's, you know, really, really silly, goofy character. But it was all I was to that agent, really, was an Australian guy. And um, then I I ended up submitting an MP3 for a a commercial, which was um, company Scrubbing Bubbles in the U.S. And so the the voice that I did for that was, uh, you know, Scrubbing Bubbles, we have a new mission. The party last night at Down Mountain Otis Kitchen has turned into a hot mess. We work hard so you don't have to. And, uh, you know, I got to do that fro- like as a, an MP3. And I walked into the studio and they're like, well, we uh, expected you to look incredibly different. We, yes. <laughs> we, we didn't expect you to look like that at all. We thought you'd be like 40 or yeah. you know, like 50. And <laughs> so, uh, but I, and I think if I'd gone in and read with that voice, uh, you know, w- would it have had uh, the same sort of result? How did your agent react to hearing a different accent? Oh, yeah, he was pretty confused at first. Uh, but now it's you know it's really a lot of the the work that that we do together is me being an, an American or being a Canadian. Uh, so yeah, he but he he was uh, freaked out by it at first. How did you get the accent? Did you go and do a class or something, or did you have a coach for it? Yeah, I I worked with a coach based out of LA, and uh, I only did really one session with her, and I think like. So many Australians, um, you know, as you know, in both in Hollywood and, and uh, voiceover, there are a lot of Aussies who can do a, a really authentic and, and bang on American accent. Yeah. And uh, yeah, like like many of them, I grew up watching American sitcoms and you know, <laughs> playing yeah, yeah, American yeah. video yeah. games. So you know, we we have a an authentic example of the accent. So mine was already pretty good. It was it was maybe like 90, 95% there. And that's what the coach that I worked with in LA said. She said, yeah, it's, it's, it's really very close. There was just some small tweaking to do. And that was incredibly valuable, both in um, fixing up the, the inconsistencies that I did have at that time. And then also just having the confidence to go in and, and perform with that accent. Because if you don't feel confident, then the reads aren't going to come through as, as authentic mm-hmm. um, and there's, there's no point, you know, going, going out for spots that are in the uh, American accent uh, unless it's like, a, you know, if it's a character, you have a little more leeway as far as being, uh, you can be goofy and it doesn't, it can be a bit of a caricature but um, when you're doing standard commercial reads, uh, yeah, it's, you've got to feel 100% in it otherwise that's going to show in the performance. What I find if I'm putting on an accent, my voice changes. So I could actually oh, yeah. drop drop a register you know, if I'm playing a certain character in it with an accent. When I do, it does. You know, if I do an American thing, which I rarely do, I find the register drops. And yet, if I'm doing uh, like a, a Cockney sort of bloke, you know, sort of goes up a bit. You know what I mean? Oh, so, that's, uh, that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm so glad you said that because uh, yeah, I, I had uh, realised that I was doing that, and uh, when I was talking before about having the characters um, for, for my U.S. accent, yeah, they're definitely just lower. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, what, what am I, can I just not do the 
accent at my regular register? Is it, <laughs> is it just not possible? But, uh, yeah, it, just, it does seem to go lower. Yeah, it does. And I noticed on the spot that you put on LinkedIn, which prompted me to give you a call, which is a great read, fantastic read. But oh, you're, you. like when I hear you talking now, it's, it's not in the same register as your normal voice. You, you're way down. Yeah, but I, I, actually that register is a lot of what I book in now. Like, um, yeah, with that, with that US accent, I think I just, I feel more comfortable in it. And, um, uh, yeah, that, that tends to be a, a, a lot of what I go out for. Yeah. Now, talking home studios, we're both sitting in what, in fact, we shouldn't call them home studios because um, I'm trying to think of a new word for them. But uh, I think Dan Hurst calls them personal studio. I think that's mm-hmm. what he calls it. Anyway, something like that. Like that. Yeah. yeah. But what, I've seen a couple of pictures of yours and I, I do vaguely remember seeing some logs. Yes, yes. We we live in a log home. Um, yes, uh, I c- really cannot get more Canadian at this point. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we we live in a in a in a lovely log home. And um, when I first moved here, I was working out of a basically like a vocal booth, um, similar to the Whisper Rooms, but it was one that yeah. I I built myself from plans. And then when we when we bought this place, uh, took advantage of um, all the joys of being able to knock down walls and <laughs> yeah. no one care. Uh, and, uh, yeah, built, built a, a, a really wonderful studio. I'm really happy with how it came together. So what sort of gear have you got in there? Do you keep it minimal or are you, or are you a bit of a, like me, a bit of a collector of stuff? Uh, yeah, no, I've I've managed to uh, stave off that that <laughs> dangerous habit. Although I I respect you for it, I can see how it <laughs> how it goes. Yes. Um, I, I do I do keep it pretty simple um, because I'm not I'm not very skilled as far as the engineering. I just I I, I do what I need to be able to do. Um, back in the day, I got pretty fast at editing when I when I was doing that myself and. Um, but I, I never really got into using anything like, uh, you know, Pro Tools or, or Logic. Um, it was all just like the basic audio editors, like Twisted yeah. Wave. Yep. But, as, yeah, as far as the gear, um, it's it's simple, but I, I, I love the gear that I currently have. I use the Sennheiser 416, which I'm talking to you on now. Yep. And uh, I have the Neumann TLM 103. Yep. And... I have both of those in a lovely little interface. I'm sure you've probably heard of it called the um, Gold Digger, the Radial Gold Digger. No, I, d- I don't. It's a mic switch, so uh, I can have four microphones plugged into it and uh, I can change between the two. So, you know, now I'm on the 416 and now I'm on the Neumann um, and it's really easy to just switch between between them. Oh, uh, and nice. then the the handy thing for doing patch sessions is uh, there's the, the the two other channels that I don't use, I can use them as mutes, so I can close the line and uh, you know do a massive burp or something like that. Yes, uh, always handy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and then uh, that runs into a, a Focusrite preamp, um, and that's that is the one uh, gear splurge that I'm looking at doing in the in the future, like embracing the, the gear geek in me um, oh, yes. and getting a new preamp. Um, but, but this one's, yeah, been, been really good for a number of years. Yep. Um, and then that goes into an Apogee Quartet and I'm on Mac and I think that's, I think that's about the story. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, there's some lovely stuff out there. You can go crazy. I, I, oh, I yeah. have got a bit mad. But it, in the end... <laughs> all, all the power well, to you. Yeah. Yes, it was <laughs> a splurge. But it's funny because I use different things for different clients. And like the thing I'm on mm. now, um, I use this for a client a TV network in Singapore. Because I, as it turns out, when I was watching online, I thought, hang on a minute, that, that sounds pretty ordinary. Uh, it was just one spot, and I think I'd actually recorded that remotely, I mean, you know. But uh, I did contact them and said, look, you know, do you do any processing? When I send you stuff up, what do you do? It's like, uh, we just basically lay it over pictures, and then we uh, stick it through like a plug-in of some sort. And it's like, man, that is not good. So mm. luckily I had the stuff here, so then I spoke to Robbo, who's the guy who normally does the podcast with me, and... Um, we just went through a few things, and so I set up. All I've done really is set up a bit of compression, really mild compression. I record it, you know, with minus six, and then I normalise to minus three dB, and then send it. And it basically, that just sits perfectly with their pictures now, so we don't have to worry too much. But then other clients don't want me to compress anything, so then I would use right. another another setup. So there's a couple of different ones I use here as well. So you, when you were sending the the work through to Singapore, uh, were you using a, a channel strip for the? the yeah, I've got, a, I've got channel strips. So I've got a, a Neve ten seventy three, which is very luxurious, and uh, and I use uh, what we would call a valve mic, or you know, mm-hmm. I think in America, tube mic, um, and I run one channel with that, and that's basically that's I don't touch that at all, and that goes out to people I know are going to produce the spot. Uh, then I have this microphone going through the other channel of the 1073, and then it goes through a, a compressor, 1176 compressor, just mild compression. Lovely. And then I That's have an the, LA610 um, as well, so I use that with this microphone from okay. time to time. I don't think you're a good person to talk to, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll do you a good deal, my son. Don't yeah, you worry yeah. about that. Well, uh, yeah, I, w- I was looking at the um, w- when I was upgrading the studio when we were building this one. Um, I was looking at the uh, the Universal Audio sixty one seventy six. Yeah, um, nice. But uh, I will I'll scope out the six ten. That's uh, yeah. Well, sixty one seventy six is really nice too because that's got the. That's the 610 preamp with the 1176 compressor, I think. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah. the reason it was put forward to me, because I was, I was chatting with a friend of mine in the US who, um, yeah, he's, he, he runs a production house and knows all his gear. And uh, he said, uh, yeah, you could go for either the, uh, there's like the, the Manly Vox box and then there's the, um, uh, the Avalon. Uh, and both of them... Like each each does one thing very well. One you know will do punchy, more uh, promo reads. Yeah. Um, well, it'll excel there. And then the other is great for those warm, natural commercial reads. And um, because I kind of alternate in in both of those worlds, as as uh, you do as well. Yeah. Uh, he said the the sixty one seventy six could be really beneficial because you can just you can switch between the two. So. Yeah, and the good thing about it also is that um, it's really easy to use. Like, as you said, you're not an audio engineer. Neither yeah, am I. <laughs> uh, and I just, with uh, LA610, I just actually went online and saw a guy showing me how to set it up. Uh, and then I kind of go, okay, well, if you put if you pull back the gain, then you're not going to work the valve too hard. And then you put up the level. So that means this gets a nice clean sound. But if I want to get it dirty, I can, you know, reverse that and... Huh. And then with the, and it's also with the LA610, it's also got a bypass on the compressor, which is kind of handy because the older ones didn't. 
but the Mark II does have a bypass, so you can actually just click it off and just run it through. It still runs through the transformers, but you don't have compression. Oh, that's fun. So it's very user-friendly for people like us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I like yeah. that. All right, well, we had a bit of a geek fest. It's probably uh, time to go and earn some money so we can pay for it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, more cool. expensive habits. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. Well, some yeah. of the other expensive habits have long gone, so why not? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, mean I, could, I could go for gear or I could, you know, take up uh, just a full-blown cocaine addiction, but... <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. On that note, uh, time to snort out of here. Yeah, <laughs> let's do that. <laughs> Good, well, thanks very much. Pleasure, it was great. Matt Cowrick, um, expat Aussie, living in Vancouver and doing very well. Mm, nice. Very good work. Very good work. Great work. Yeah. And I, I like the fact he's, uh, he's got a house made of logs, the log cabin. No, oh, does he? More, he? Yes, you couldn't get more Canadian more than more Canadian that. that. No, is he wearing a Mounties hat? <laughs> uh, only on certain occasions, but we didn't actually touch on that because that was a bit too personal. Right, okay. <laughs> As for the moose, well... <laughs> yes. Ah, yes. uh, Canada, where the Aussies live and the mooses are scared. Or oh, is it mooses or moose? I think it's moose, isn't it? Where the moose are scared. I would say so. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. They're yeah. scared anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I would be. <laughs> uh, it's good to see Aussies doing well overseas, though. Really good. Yeah. You know, you trade your uh, your Hawaiian shirt for a bit of flannel. Yes. <laughs> he's, he's done well. He has done well. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Not the not the not the most um Aussie of climates to move to, but hey, you know, whatever whatever rocks your boat, I suppose. Exactly. Well, you know, it could be Melbourne, as we discussed. True. It could very well be Melbourne. Yeah. Although it is spring. Gotta be happy with that. Yeah, not down here it's not. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's horrible. <laughs> All right, I'll reserve my plane fight for another month or two then. Yeah, yeah, stay right where you are. Sunny Sydney, the Emerald City. Absolutely. Well, there you go. Another big, uh, another big week. That was a great interview, mate. Well done. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, we'll be back next week with uh, something. God knows what. We'll think of something. I'm sure we will. The VO Radio Show is produced in the studios of Voodoo Sound. To polish your next audio production, check us out at voodoo-sound.com. Find professional voices simply all in one place. Realtimecasting.com, including me.